following podcast may contain spoilers, profanity, and views or opinions that may not be representative of the author's intent of the articles discussed. We don't always take ourselves or the subject matter seriously either. Listener discretion is advised. The following is a Galactic Network podcast. Welcome to the Alien Invasion number 240, recorded on Thursday, April 5th, 2018, First Contact Day. I'm Dave Nelson, along with Brad Ludwig. Coming up, what exactly did some pilots recently see over the skies of Arizona? We'll tell you about an incident that happened near Ellsworth Air Force Base in 1953 in the sighting segment, and our picks and warnings feature. Before all that, though, our... Question. Dave? Huh? Dave? Huh? Hey, Dave, what's the question? If you could create a fictional alien race for a TV series or movie, what would they look or act like, Brad? Alien. <laughs> would they look like us, or would they look totally different or totally alien from us? Huh? Uh-huh. Yeah, you get that? Uh huh. That's a really good question because there's a part of me that's like, well, you know, make it so there's just one slight difference. Like they have an extra earlobe, you know, something where it's really kind of low key. Mm -hmm. Just from a production aspect, it's easier to uh, add an extra earlobe than to paint somebody's body and put prosthetic makeup on. Yeah. Uh, But that said, I mean, you look at Alien Nation. That was well done. And they looked very different, uh, and that worked very well. You know, I, I'm going to go with they would look totally alien. What would the difference be, though? You know, I, I would almost have it be like they would be semi-aquatic, so okay. they would have like an extra set of eyelids, like an inner eyelid, yeah, kind of like a cat or something like that. And, uh, you know, maybe something that you could kind of cover up a little bit, like gills or mm-hmm. something like that. You, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Kind of like, uh, well, you're not watching Star Trek Discovery, but there's a character on that show. He's all prosthetic'd up, but okay. there's one feature of him, whenever he senses danger, these... Does he shoot ink everywhere like no. a squirt? <laughs> no, but his he's got like these things on his neck that kind of pop up. They're, oh, gangli- oh. They're, they're called threat ganglii. So, okay. uh, yeah, something that would you would see when you would need to see it, but you wouldn't have to see it all the time. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I like where you're going with that. My answer is going to be like us with slight differences. Like maybe their eyes would be just a touch bigger than us. Or they'd have an extra finger or a toe. Something that would be fairly easy to recreate for the screen. Also, to appeal to more of the masses, I would want something that would look like us. You know, similar to humans, but not totally out there as far as aliens go. Because I don't want to scare the grandmas in Nebraska, right? So you want to have aliens that look good but look just slightly different from humans. Okay, here, here's something. 
underneath their hair, there's some like major difference, maybe an extra sensing organ of some kind under their hair that you, you can easily cover. But when you reveal, lift up your hair, you would see that extra sensing organ, something like that. Okay? Yeah. All right. Those are our fictional aliens. Now let's get to it. We'll, uh, we'll get the people from Industrial Light and Magic on the phone. Do they do magic? Or do they, I mean, do they <laughs> do they do like prosthetics and makeup? Uh, probably not. Uh, you probably have to get Michael Westmore from Star Trek. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Or the, the guys that are on, oh, here it is. The guys who are on that show Face Off, they have their own shop. And they do stuff for TVs and movies, so I'll oh. I'll get a hold of those guys. There you go. Yeah. All right. We'll Boom, make it done. Make, make it happen. In the news, I found an interesting story that uh, actually uh, Corey Scott from the podcast of Terror sent my way, and I thought it was well worth talking about. So I want to thank Corey Scott for uh, for helping a brother out here. Here we go. Pilots report close encounters with UFO over Arizona, quote-unquote, something just passed over us. Oh, boy. If you follow the link that we'll have in the show notes, you can actually see some of the video from the news report, but they've got the actual audio clips from the, from the tower that was talking to two different airplanes. So uh, here we go. Two pilots on different aircraft reported having close encounters with a mysterious object flying high above Arizona last month, according to the FAA. The sightings occurred within minutes of each other on the afternoon of February 24th of of this year, some 40,000 feet above southern Arizona near the New Mexico border. Now, ABC News obtained the audio recording of the conversation between the pilots and the Albuquerque Air Route Traffic Control Center, which was released by the FAA. The news comes amid a series of reports of military pilots coming in contact with what they believed to be UFOs and the disclosure of a secret but now defunct Pentagon program to track such incidents. The pilot of a Learjet 36 belonging to Phoenix Air with the tail number N71PG, reported the initial sighting. He asked the controller, was anybody above us that just passed us like 30 seconds ago? Negative, the controller responds. Okay, something did, the Learjet pilot says. It's a UFO, another pilot chimes in. Yeah, the Learjet pilot laughs. Now, a few minutes later, the controller radios the American Airlines Flight 1095 and Airbus A321. He asked the pilot, let me know if you see anything pass over you here in the next 15 miles. The pilot seems puzzled and responds, if anything passes over us? Affirmative. We had an aircraft in front of you at 37,000 feet that reported something pass over him, and we didn't have any radar targets. So just let me know if you see anything pass over you, the controller says. All right, the pilot says. The Learjet pilot joins the conversation saying, I don't know what it was. It wasn't an airplane, but it was uh, the path was going in the opposite direction. And about a minute later, the American Airlines 
Flight 1095 pilot radios back and reports a bizarre sighting in Arizona airspace. Yeah, something just passed over us like a, I don't know what it was, but it was at least two, 3,000 feet above us. Yeah, it passed right over the top of us. The controller responded with, okay, American 1095, thank you. The controller later asks, American uh, 1095, can you tell if it was in motion or just hovering? And they responded, I couldn't make it out, but whether it was a balloon or whatnot, but it was really beaming light or could have been a big reflection and was several thousand feet above us going in the opposite direction. American Airlines pilot later radios uh, the controller again, asking if the unidentified object was a Google balloon. A Google balloon? A Google balloon. Hey, that's your 21st century version of a weather balloon. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Doubtful, another pilot chimed in. The voice of another pilot adds, UFO. (laughs) They're just trolling. They're trolling them. Kind of. Well, I mean, technically... It was unidentified. They don't know what it is. Doesn't mean it's a saucer, but it's an unidentified object. (laughs) Was he snickering as as he was piping in? Yeah. If you if you were to actually click the link and listen to the audio, yeah, there's a little bit of chuckling back and forth. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, part of it I think is if if you're flying a plane, especially a plane filled with lots of people, I think I'd be a little nervous if something I didn't know and air traffic control couldn't track <laughs> was in my airspace i would be a little nervous and i would probably be uh doing a little bit of the nervous laughter okay back to the story the spokesperson from the faa uh says we have a close working relationship with a number of other agencies and safety handle military aircraft and civilian air civilian aircraft of all types in that area every day, including high-altitude weather balloons. Phoenix Air Group Vice President Bob Tracy told ABC News he recently spoke to the captain of the Learjet after reading about the sightings uh, in the local newspaper. The captain said he was flying at about 37,000 feet, and we talked about that, uh, when the unidentified object flew several thousand feet over his aircraft at a speed that appeared similar to what a commercial aircraft would travel. The captain said he often sees balloons or airships at these flight levels, but a beam of light shining off the object was so bright that he couldn't decipher whether uh, that's what it was. He said the only thing that was different about this was that it was just so bright. See, that's Uh, the thing. It's yeah, he br- said the glare was so intense he couldn't make it out. But otherwise, uh, Tracy had said that uh, you know it was a rather uneventful thing. It just sort of happened, and they you know they flew past each other. He said that when he landed, he didn't give it much thought. <laughs> and a spokes uh, spokespersons for Google and the uh, North American Aerospace Defense Command did not immediately respond to the requests uh, from. ABC News at this time. So uh, as as you can guess, this came from uh, the abcnews.com website. What has made the whole revelation of this government program and all the reports that have followed it so it's almost like leaks at the White House. It seems like these reports are getting out more than they used to. Were I to hazard a guess, you know, some of the big things that have changed is that having a platform to get information out quickly and anonymously yeah. has really helped that. And I mean, if you're able to hit Twitter with a piece of information 
anonymously, you have the potential of 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 hitting, you know, all of Twitter. Yep. Uh, so if your primary mission is to give information to people, of course you would hit social media, and that uh, has such a wide reach that you know it just would, it would get out immediately. So I think that that has a great deal of appeal to whistleblowers. Um, which has, I think, you know, increased the amount of leaks uh, that we've gotten from all different arenas. Remind me again. I'm I'm just kind of scanning the story. How did this audio come out or get out? A request was made to the FAA for those public, essentially public records, um, for the, the that audio conversation. And how did they know? How did this the people know that this took place? In the first place, you know, they were talking through through the airwaves. So, I mean, anybody could have picked up that bit of information technically. So either somebody that knows that that the frequency. Yeah. OK. OK. That makes sense. All right. Thank you very much, Brad. That was an interesting, fascinating and intriguing story. <laughs> Don't thank me. Thank Corey Scott. Thank, the podcast of terror or thank the aliens <laughs> or we can thank the aliens you are correct sir <laughs> i'm gonna thank both Corey and the aliens well, that i think you're covering all your bases there. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> if you have thoughts feelings or a strong opinion on the story that we just talked about email aliens at gncasts.com that's aliens at gncasts.com or call our voicemail number Area code 805-328-3966, 805-328-3966. Thank you for your feedback. Follow this Galactic Network podcast on Twitter, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Find us by searching for Galactic Network on all the major social networks or click on the icons at gncast.com. Please identify the craft you witnessed. A black triangular three-dimensional shape, huge, just flying, hovering minute. Shaped like almost like between an egg and like a teardrop. Two long cylinder objects flying over me. I can see the occupants in it. It's to be rotating and it was on circular to disc shape and it hovered for maybe about five minutes. It's time in the show where we discuss something that somebody saw or experienced that may have been a thing in the sky that could have possibly been an alien craft, but, you know, could have also been something of this earth. You know, you just never know sometimes. And this one comes to us from August 5th and 6th, 1953. It's titled Ellsworth UFO Sighting. Ellsworth uh, Air Base, do you know where that's located at, Brad? Uh, is that in South Dakota? South Dakota, you would be correct. Ah. On those dates, the U.S. military investigated a UFO incident in Rapid City, South Dakota. What has become known as the Ellsworth case is uh, it's one of the most significant radar visual cases in the annals. <laughs> did, did I say that right? The, the annals. <laughs> I don't think you want to put that information there, Dave. You're very uncomfortable. Oh, my God. In the annals of UFO sightings. Okay. Um, so it was both radar and visual. So that's, that's significant when uh, it's picked yeah. up on both. 
The event was witnessed by almost 45 citizens along with military air defense system personnel. The object was first sighted at 8 p.m. on August 5th. The description was of a red glowing light making long sweeping movements. I have to warn you, I did not include the whole story because it was just going on and on and on. And I was going to have a really hard time summing it up. So this is only part of the story. And that's why we include links in the show notes. Absolutely. For that reason right there. Okay, so the information was transmitted to the Bismarck North Dakota Air Defense Filter Center. Sometime later, Sergeant Harry, Sergeant Harry spotted the objects from the roof. He observed paying close attention to the irregular movement as it danced between telephone lines. Others on duty saw the moving light, which would be visible in the sky for approximately three hours. Sergeant Harry described his observations in the following manner. It would remain stationary, then hop up several degrees very quickly, almost simultaneously. After another witness commented, it would stop, move to the left, and then swerve down in sort of a slanting motion, repeating these maneuvers several times. At midnight, I'm guessing that's midnight between the 5th and 6th, at midnight, uh, three additional objects appeared in the sky above Dakota. The employees of the filter center had a feeling like someone was watching them. So it sounds like this craft was flying it flew from Rapid City to this other Air Force facility in North Dakota. Hmm. Before they were seen in Bismarck, two F-84s had been vectored into the area over Black Hawk, South Dakota. The objects and the jets were monitored on radar. One pilot established visual contact for 20 to 30 seconds. His description could be heard over the intercom. It's brighter than the brightest star I've ever seen. When the pilot gave chase, the light inexplicably disappeared. Hmm. So something in common between this sighting and your news report is bright lights. Lieutenant Needham, or Needham, he needs ham. The, uh, <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> the second pilot spotted one of the objects at 15,000 feet. It was below him and to his right. Below Unless you have dietary restrictions. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, something uh, kosher, I guess. Exactly. The object moved, oh, I love this word, spasmatically up and down. <laughs> the colors... Not sporadically, <laughs> spasmatically. <laughs> The colors changed from white to green. In pursuit, Needham climbed to 26,000 feet. He changed course to 360 degrees. After maintaining steady on 360, 360 degrees for a brief time, his radar lock-on light on the A-4 gun sight came on and remained on. Ooh. Yeah. The object was ahead of him. It increased speed and moved rapidly ahead of, ahead and up. Huh. So not only did he see something, the radar on the ground saw something, but his gun locked onto it. 
Yeah, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. The chase was being carried on the radar scope at the control room. Radar indicated that the UFO was staying 5 to 10 miles ahead of the lieutenant and his F-84. Finally, Lieutenant Needham gave up his pursuit and flew back to the military base. The object continued on and was detected by the filter center in Bismarck. At 1.09 a.m., an Air Force Globemaster 2 flew over Bismarck. As the plane neared, the object closest to the plane appeared to emanate a signal by blinking red and green. So they were trying to communicate, Brad. (laughs) The signaling was picked up by the other three objects. An observer reflected about this. It was as if a wave passed from one to the other. Oh, I see what was going on. So it sounds like the objects, the unidentified flying objects, were communicating with each other with lights or something like that. The Air Force offered a number of possibilities as to the cause of the sightings. In the final synopsis, the objects would continue on the records as unknowns. There you go. That's the sighting this week. Nice. One of the things I really love about doing this show, Brad, well, the company I keep, but but also uh, the things that we learn every week. Just from doing research for the show. Like, I had no idea that this incident took place. And I had no idea that somebody would have the last name of Needham. <laughs> at least it's and not. That sounds like a desperate cry for help as opposed to a surname. At least, at least it's not Gotham. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't know. It was some podcast I listened to. One of the hosts refers to Gotham as Godham. And whenever I see it now, I think of Godham. It frustrates me because before I heard him say that, I had never put the connection sure. together. But now yep. whenever I see it, it's Godham. Yep. <laughs> All right. So like I always say at the end of our uh, sighting segment, if you have a sighting, if you've experienced something that you saw in the sky, on the ground, that you can't explain, that may be an alien object, an object not of this world, let us know. There's a number of ways you can get a hold of us. Email aliens at gncasts.com. That's aliens at gncasts.com. Our phone number is 805-328-3966. You'll have to leave a voicemail on that. It's not like a manned phone number. Like, I won't pick up, is what I'm saying. You have to leave a message at that number. 805-328-3966. We also have a thing on our website, gncasts.com, where you can leave a recorded message there as well. So, if you experience something, let us know. If you saw something, say something. If you like this podcast... The Alien Invasion, and would love to support us in a very simple way, we ask that you go to gncasts.com slash support. That's g-n-c-a-s-t-s dot com slash support and click on the Patreon link. Uh, Now with Patreon, we're just asking for a few dollars a month. It's not per episode, it's per month. At one, 
three, and five dollar levels. And each level has its own perk. Like you can get your name mentioned on our shows, not just this show, but all of our other podcasts that are part of the Galactic Network Network. You can get a whole message read and other perks, other other things that you'll get for your dollar, three dollar, five dollar a month support of the network. So again, go to gncasts.com slash support. Click on that Patreon link. And I believe we also have a link to our Amazon affiliate link on that page as well. So if you're going to be doing some shopping on Amazon, uh, click that link and support us that way as well. GNCasts.com slash support. And we thank you. Watching, reading, playing, listening, making. These are uh, things that we have watched, listened to, read, made, played, all related to aliens in some form or another. So, Brad, it's your turn this week. What do you got for us? I'm a sucker for 40s, 50s, and 60s alien movies. And this one holds a special place in my heart. And uh, what's really interesting about it is the lead actor is not somebody that you would normally peg for this type of a role. That movie is Forbidden Planet. It's a great movie, in my opinion. Obviously, it's a bit dated. uh, And, you know, it's amazing how the people of the 1950s and 60s had such high hopes for our future. (laughs) (laughs) It takes place uh, in the 23rd century. So, I mean, there's still time. The lead actors are Leslie Nielsen and Anne Francis uh, plays the daughter of uh, the professor, the doctor that uh, lives on this particular planet. And they make a really big deal about this in Hollywood, not just for this movie, but in Hollywood, Robbie the Robot. Robbie the Robot is an iconic looking character. He's got essentially three fingers and a thumb. His legs are basically, they look like interlocking spheres. And the head of this thing is very ornate. And, you know, there's spinning and there's, uh, you know, there's stuff clicking and clacking in there. And the, the thing to realize, and there's like neon lights in there too. That suit had to be so hot mm-hmm. and very top heavy because obviously there was somebody inside of the suit. It's just absolutely gorgeous to to see this thing in operation and really give thought to the fact that, you know, nowadays you'd use LED lights. You could make a suit that would not be nearly as heavy and as clumsy and had to be as packed with hot lights and electronics. I'm sure the person that was inside that suit was just sweating to death. Um, trying to wear that thing and move around and whatnot. This particular robot suit, I'm guessing, cost so much that they tried to reuse this. You'll you'll find Robbie the robot reused in other sci-fi movies. He actually made an appearance on Lost in Space, where he met what was their robot called? He looks very similar to Robbie. Somewhat. B9 has uh tracks basically it's like tank treads at the base of the robot to move around he doesn't have individual walking legs he rolls around on these treads you find it in the movie that robbie speaks 188 languages 
and he was actually built by the doctor that lives on this planet. There is no robot in the universe like Robbie, and Robbie is based on technology that this long-lost alien race on this planet had sort of, uh, they developed a number of advanced technologies and this doctor ended up building this robot. I don't want to give away like the whole kit and caboodle here because it's, it's actually a relatively, yeah, it's dated. Yeah. The effects are, it's really interesting because Disney uh, had a hand in some of the effect work for this, which is really kind of interesting. A lot of the, the energy weapons and energy based things, they actually had, uh, Disney animators draw up, and uh, it's actually very gorgeous, a very uh, cool kind of meshing of those two different forms of medium. There's something dark and dangerous on the planet, and we're left with uh, one of the most profound questions that man has ever had to answer, uh, which is, um, just because I can, should I? And uh Yeah. Uh, I guess that's where I kind of want to leave it with Forbidden Planet. I've, it's a movie that I absolutely adore, and uh, out of five flying saucers, I give it I give it five. All right, as I recall, wow, that's high praise. As I recall, it's a beautiful looking movie, and compared to other movies that came out at that time, especially science fiction movies. It looked pretty damn good. The production value, I think they had a lot of money to work with on this film. So we'll, uh, we'll put the link in the show notes so everybody, everybody can enjoy Forbidden Planet. We have some feedback this week, Brad, from a person going by the name of Vanner303. That's V-A-N-E-R-303. Cool. This came to us uh, through our email address, aliens at gncasts, gncasts.com. First line, all caps, they want to contact. Are you intrigued? I am. All right. It goes on to say, from now on, open your mind. This message comes from our extraterrestrial brethren. It is not about deceptive lines with fictitious content or for personal promotion purposes, but an initial step towards the golden future of all humanity. And then the message continues. In the past, one of the races tried to invade to take possession of the Earth. And in a convention, it was defined that there would be no more invasion attempts and that the intention now would be adaptation and coexistence with the humans. So open your mind, focus, and talk to them using your heart, and you will not regret it. They are already here and want contact. This email came to us, again, from a person going by the name of Vanner, V-A-N-E-R-303. Cool. They are already here, Brad. You know what? We've had plenty of stories, and uh, there's enough... Enough interesting things going on in the world that I, you know, at this point, I wouldn't doubt it. Okay, what I want to do is I want to send out an official invitation to 
the extraterrestrials living on this planet, if you are listening to this podcast, and I don't know why they're not, because it's called the Alien Invasion Podcast. So if you are an extraterrestrial, if you're a being not of this planet, but you're here, either by accident or on purpose, living among us, you are personally invited to come on this podcast. Okay? So reach out to us, aliens at gncasts.com, or call the voicemail number 805-328-3966. We'll get your contact information, and we'll get you on the show. Sounds fair, doesn't it, Brad? It does. All right. We look forward to talking to you. Heck yeah. Please subscribe to this Galactic Network podcast by going gncast.com slash subscribe. Or search iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or anywhere podcasts are offered. So that's going to do it for this edition of The Alien Invasion, a Galactic Network podcast. If you'd like to read more about the stories that we covered on this episode, like the UFO incident over the Arizona skies with all those airline pilots, uh, click on the links in the show notes. We would like to thank Monkey Warhol for giving us our intro song called Alien Syndrome. You can find out more about him at monkeywarhol.bandcamp.com, monkeywarhol.bandcamp.com. Also, thanks to Rutward von Dernberg, a composer from Germany, for our closing song, Be Water. Learn more about him and his music at thecaravel.net. And finally, thanks to Ben Olson. Hi, Ben for recording the disclaimer audio at the start of this episode. For more about him and what he does, go to benolson.com. Thanks for joining us. Before we go, final thought, Brad, you got anything? Crap, I, I watched another sci uh, alien-related sci-fi movie, and shoot, I can't remember what it was now. I guess I'll have to save that for, uh, for next time. I've got a couple in the can. I was going to talk about... On our next episode, The Cloverfield Paradox. Oh, okay. Uh, it was very good, and I wanted to talk about that, or I wanted to talk about Krypton, which uh, my wife and I are enjoying very much. So maybe oh. we'll discuss those in future episodes, but uh, those are things that I've been watching recently. So you'll just have to keep listening to find out about those things. Right, Brad? Absolutely. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. This has been a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.